Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Words we first hear in the book of Genesis when Joseph forgives his brothers. In the beautiful rhythm of the church year, here we are again. It's Lent, a time to reflect and to repent, to pray and to praise, to recall and rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ as he moves toward the cross, humbly toward the cross and powerfully in victory from the grave. Lent always leads us to Easter. It's a time for blessing as we wait for the return of our Lord Jesus. And here's another blessing. The Lord gave us four, not one, but four Gospels. The Holy Spirit inspired four authors to record the life and ministry of Jesus. And each one of them is about the same Jesus. Each one of them tells of Jesus' movement toward the cross and his bursting forth out of the tomb, and yet each one of them is like a beautiful painting or a portrait of Jesus from a slightly different angle. They complement one another, but each one gives its own beautiful perspective for Lent and for Easter. And this year, as is part of our series of readings, we are going to be following the gospel according to Luke. This evening on Ash Wednesday, as we begin our Lenten journey toward Easter, how shall we sum up Luke's inspired presentation of the life and ministry of Jesus? Before answering that, let me ask another question. Do you remember the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis? Here's a quick summary. Joseph was the favored son of his father, Jacob. His older brothers resented him, and Joseph wasn't faultless in this, of course. He egged him on a little bit. But his brother's hatred grew and grew, and so they abused him, evil. Sold him as a slave to traitors going down to Egypt, evil. Poured animal blood on his coat and told their father Jacob that Joseph, this beloved child, had been killed by wild beasts, more evil. In Egypt, Joseph's life was up and down, but finally, through God's blessing, he rose to prominence in Egypt. And God used Joseph's planning and his wisdom to save many people from starving to death, including his own father and the brothers who had done such evil things to him. Then Jacob, the father, dies. And Joseph's brothers are afraid that now Joseph will take his revenge on them, but he doesn't. He says something to them about their history and about the years that have gone by since their betrayal of him and sale of him. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, don't misunderstand Joseph's words here. His brothers meant evil against him, and it was evil. They meant evil and they did evil. God didn't change that part, not at all, but God used that evil for an even larger purpose even when no one else knew what God was up to, Joseph included. Everyone was clueless as to what God was going to do, but God was not clueless, nor is he ever. 
It's Lent, and we're going to ponder Luke 22 and 23, and on into the victory of Luke 24, the resurrection. We'll begin by reflecting on the reading that you've heard, and we will see some very important truths here. Each Wednesday of Lent, we're going to work our way through 22, 23, and 24, the passion of Christ according to Luke. Now, the first truth is this one. It's time for a greater Passover. Now, Luke goes out of his way to mention this no less than five times that it's in a particular time of year and that a particular festival is about to happen, Passover. He says it in verse 1 and then in verses 7 and 8 and then again in 11 and 13. And there's a lot that you could say about the Passover, but I'll just say this. Passover was the time when Israel remembered. They remembered that they were living under the thumb, under the power of evil. They were slaves in Egypt, centuries before the night that Luke is describing. Evil had come against them. Evil was done to them. Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt resisted the true God's plan to set his people Israel free. Even though God sent plague after plague, Pharaoh's heart was hard. And even after Pharaoh allowed Israel to leave, he changed his mind and hunted them down, chased them right through the middle of the Red Sea. He tried to enslave them. He meant to destroy them. Pharaoh wanted to put Israel to death. He meant evil, but God meant it for good, to save Israel. And Pharaoh and all of his hosts drowned in the Red Sea. God's people were rescued. They stepped out of the sea onto dry land. They passed through death and into life with their God. Their enemies meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What God did at the Passover so long before, some 1,400 years before, what God did through the exodus from Egypt, God is doing a greater way in his son Jesus. That's the first truth that emerges from our reading. It's Passover, and it's a time for a greater salvation a greater deliverance than ever before, a greater movement out into death and out again into life. And here's the second truth. Evil is going to come against Jesus. Evil men of every sort, and Luke emphasizes that the evil one, Satan himself, is the driving force behind the plan to destroy Jesus. Just look at the lineup of evil in these verses printed in your bulletin. Verse 2, here at the Passover, the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. The priests and the scholars who were supposed to guide and uphold the people and to prepare them to receive their Messiah, these men are now looking for a way to put him to death. And Luke says, for they feared the people. Did they think that the people would defend Jesus? would stop them from doing evil to him? If they thought that, they overestimated the faith and the courage of the people. But it's not just these twisted religious leaders. Luke rushes on in verse 3, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, 
Satan. He has been the evil, strong man who hates God and his ways and who makes his people captives from the beginning. In Luke 13, Jesus healed a woman whom Satan had bound with an illness for 18 years. In Luke 10, Jesus sent out 72 disciples and they cast out demons. And Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Satan is the strong man, but Jesus is the stronger man who has now come to bind Satan. And now here, the evil one engages in the battle to destroy Jesus. And Satan uses Judas. We may be so accustomed to the story that we don't even feel the shock and the tragedy of that, right? Judas has become synonymous for traitor. But that's not how the first readers of the story would have experienced that twist. Even though he was one of the 12, Judas, we don't know and we mustn't guess how it happened, but Judas, and he approaches the chief priests and together they come up with a plan. They think that they need to avoid a crowd, but the crowd will turn on Jesus too, as we'll later see. Cry out for Jesus to be crucified. At the first Passover in Egypt, the evil was bad enough, but now that evening long ago, it's worse. Evil is coming not only against God's people, but against God in flesh, Jesus. And now there's a beautiful third truth from this reading. The third truth is made all the more wonderful because of the second truth that we just highlighted. That is the evil in verses two through six. That evil is like the darkness that grows all around you when thunderstorms are building and rushing toward you. Human enemies, a human traitor, the greater supernatural enemy. These are all allied, joined together, whether they know it or not, against Jesus. And as we know, their plan is going to work even better than they hoped and probably prayed for. Because the people will not defend Jesus, the crowd too will cry out for his death, his destruction. Verses 2 through 6 of this reading are filled with evil that is going to happen. But the third truth emerges when at verse 7 and then four more times, Luke emphasizes something. And keep in mind how expensive it was to write something, especially knowing it would be copied. If Luke includes something five times, you better believe it's worth it. Five different times, Luke tells us that everything is ready. Things are prepared. Prepare the Passover. Where shall we prepare? A large upper room furnished. Prepare there. And they prepared the Passover. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Ready for this? Now, we can be sure about one point here. It is certainly possible that the Lord Jesus is here exercising his power as the Son of God to predict what will happen. A man will meet you, follow him, the master of the house will show you, and so on. But Luke doesn't say that. And it could also be very ordinary in a way. The Lord has made arrangements. He has made sure that things are ready. He's made sure that everything is prepared. He knows about the evil. He knows what is coming. He knows that all he will have left is to trust and to know that the Father's plan is coming true. That the Father's plan will come true. 
That's why in Luke, and only in Luke, the last thing that Jesus says from the cross is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's only found in the third gospel. Evil is coming, and God's plan, God's plan, is for evil to do its worst and let Satan rule for a little while. Jesus says this only in Luke when he's arrested. This is your hour in the power of darkness. But Jesus is ready. And he knows that in this greater rescue than Joseph accomplished for his brothers, in the greater exodus than Moses performed, Jesus knows that his enemies meant everything against him for evil. And they would do the ultimate evil by killing him. Israelites asking for Israel's God to be murdered. But his father meant it for good. The greatest salvation of all will come. Peter, now, I love Peter. I like being at a church called St. Peter. Because Peter is a lot like me and a lot of you in some ways too, I think. Peter thinks that he is ready to die with Jesus. But he's not. The women don't believe that Jesus will rise from the dead. And so they get spices ready. And on that first Easter, they're ready to go anoint Jesus' corpse. But they were wrong. Jesus is ready to face the evil and take it all into himself. And he knows that God the Father will raise him from the dead and give him victory over sin and evil that will never, ever pass away. Everything is now ready. What part are we tempted to play in the evil that comes against Jesus? We'll explore that throughout this Lenten season. And by God's grace, once again, we will repent and turn away from that evil, whatever form it takes in our lives. What doubts plague you as you see the power of evil in our world? How often does fear cripple us and deceive us into thinking that maybe God can be caught off guard somehow? Then maybe he wasn't ready for the evil this time. That's the kind of stuff that runs through our head. This Lenten season, we will open up our fears, our doubts, and we'll just hand them over to Jesus because he has undone evil. Because he lives forever. Because he lives. Nothing, not death or life or Satan or struggle or anything, nothing can separate us from God's love in his crucified, risen, ascended, and returning for you, son. That's our Jesus. Who was ready for you? When the Lenten journey is done, how will our faith be different? Well, in the most important way of thinking, Christian faith is never different. It's always the same. It's timeless. It's eternal. It's always holding on to God's promises and relying utterly on Jesus for everything. But this Lent, we can pray that our faith will grow and our grip will tighten as we hold on to Jesus only. And we can pray that our mouths will then be opened and we will say to Satan and to every enemy and strangely even to ourselves, you can't take God by surprise. Jesus is ever ready, ever ready to save and to redeem. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.